Well, again, good morning, everyone. Uh, good morning to those on Zoom. Apologies for any technical difficulties this morning. Hopefully, we're coming through uh, loud and clear and crystal um, now, um, and thank you for your patience. Um, why don't I pray before I begin? Father God, please give, a, give us wisdom as we open up your word this morning. Be it your words on my lips as we look at Psalm 22. This psalm written over a thousand, almost a thousand years before Christ was born, but fulfilled, was fulfilled by him on that cross, Lord. And remind us of that. Father, it's such a wonderful story and such a wonderful psalm of celebration of you, Lord. Let us see that. And let us be able to reflect on it as we look at it and look how Jesus prayed that on that cross when he died. Amen. So I love listening to people pray because um, we all pray a little bit differently. Um, I appreciate how people from a more maybe formal background um, might pray. They, the words seem quite reverent and thoughtful. But I also like listening to people pray who just like to talk to Jesus like they're talking to a good friend. Their prayers seem relational and honest. I even like people sometimes to hear people pray who are going through a hard time because there's something about so beautiful about when someone pours their heart out to God. And this summer we've been looking at the book of Psalms, which is a book full of different kinds of prayers, some reverent and formal, some relational and honest, and others for hard times. The book of Psalms is poetry that the Israelite community sang and prayed together. And God inspired its human authors, uh, King David, the sons of Korah, and others, to write the Psalms to help us pray. So in the Psalms, we know if we're feeling thankful, there's a Psalm for that. They're the Psalms of Thanksgiving. If we're feeling sad, there is a Psalm for that. They're the Psalms of Lament. And if we feel just like praising God, there's a Psalm for that. They're the Psalms of Praise. And there's a lot of, and it doesn't stop there, there are a lot of different Psalms that can help us pray, no matter our situation or circumstances. Today we're going to be focusing on a very special type of psalm, a prophetic psalm. King David wrote this about the Messiah, as Mary said, a thousand years before Jesus was born. But it was so, so beautifully fulfilled by him, a coming hero who was going to rescue the Israelite people from their sins. So Psalm 22 is quite often maybe one you'd hear around Easter. Uh, and as I said, it's written about a thousand years before the birth of Jesus. And yet it tells us about the birth, about the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. As Jesus was dying on the cross, he was meditating on Psalm 22. Jesus lived and prayed Psalm 22. The Gospel of Matthew makes it very, the clear connection is very clear between what Jesus was uh, seeing and experiencing and saying with Psalm 22. So we're going to have a brief look at uh, where these connections are, uh, where what Jesus experiences fulfills the Psalms, and before looking at what there is for us in this passage. So let me read from you now from Matthew 27, verse 35. If you'd like to look it up, go ahead. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Now let me read you from Psalm 22, verse 18. They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. King David wrote much of Psalm 22 from the point of view of the hero Messiah. It's his perspective. So he's saying this about his own garments. And then it happens exactly as foretold, to Je as foretold to Jesus. The Roman soldiers take and divide up his garments by a lot. But it doesn't stop there. Just a little bit further down in Matthew chapter 27 in verse 39. Those who passed me hurled insults at him, shaking their heads. 
And then we see the parallel in Psalm 22, verse 7. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Jesus was mocked mercilessly as he hung on the cross. Those passing by insulted him. The priests, the teachers, and the elders, they all mocked him. Even one of the criminals hanging on the cross next to him insulted him. I think Jesus would have immediately recognized Psalm 22 as he heard their taunts. Uh, They taunted in Matthew 27, verse 43. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. And then going to Psalm 22, verse 8. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. At the end of Matthew chapter 27, we come to the most glaring similarity, the one that jumped right off the page and that clearly tells us Jesus was meditating on this passage. Matthew 27, verse 46. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lema, Sabakanani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If you've been paying attention, you'll immediately recognize that as the opening line of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. Jesus witnessed what was happening. He knew Psalm 22 by heart and used his last moments to fulfill this prophecy completely. But he didn't just cry those words because he knew they were the right answer. He cried them because he meant them. Jesus usually called God his father, but here we find him calling him the more formal God. This is because there'd been a break in the relationship. The father had forsaken and abandoned the son. The father had turned his love away from the son. It's not that the father stopped loving Jesus, but rather that the father had denied his son the experience of that love. Um, I was on YouTube while I was preparing for this, hopefully for preparing for this, and on it there's a YouTube video called The Still Face Experiment. Um, It's a psychology experiment from America, uh, from I think the University of Berkeley. And in it there's a video, it's a video of a mother and a baby. And at first she's very expressive and loving towards the baby. She she speaks and makes sorts of loving faces at her little baby girl, and they interact, and the the baby absolutely loves it. It's very cute. She's engaged and happy and pointing at things. But then the mum turns away and comes back completely blank-faced. And her her baby doesn't know what to do with it. First she tries to get her mum's attention, and then she becomes distressed, then cries and gets upset. Now imagine Jesus, who has known and experienced his father's love for the all eternity, a perfect and ever-present love. Now imagine that is gone. You can imagine that Jesus is heartbroken. But this illustration does break down because the father not only removed Jesus' experience of his love, but also replaced it with an experience of his wrath, which is his anger towards sin. God is so good and perfect, and he just must punish wrongdoing. So God could either punish us for our sin, so we experience the wrath, or God can take our punishment upon himself. See, at the cross, God himself, in Jesus, poured the punishment that we deserve. And God takes that love that Jesus has known and experienced for all eternity and gives it to all who confess their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ. God turned his face away from from his son so that he could turn his face towards us. 
Jesus prays, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that you and I can pray, my Father, my Father, you love me. I don't know if you've ever read a book or article and thought this book reminds me of this person. It's almost like it was written about them. And we're supposed to think about Jesus when we read Psalm 22. So this psalm was something that was clearly on Jesus' mind as he hung on the cross. But where do we go from here? So firstly, if you have the order of service, you'll see one of the headings. Firstly, we should pray Psalm 22 with Jesus in mind, looking at the first 21 verses. Meditate on what Jesus experienced and pray as you walk through your experiences and prayers. I want you to notice the structure of this psalm. It kind of jumps back and forth between the Messiah describing his experience and then praying to God. And it does this three times, three times, starting with verses one to two, the situation, and verses three to five, the prayer. This is the first way we pray with Jesus in mind. When we feel abandoned, remember Christ's presence. When we feel abandoned, remember Christ's presence. Sometimes we go through periods of life where we maybe feel abandoned by the ones we love, our friends, our family, or even God himself. Maybe you're sick and wondering if God even exists. Maybe you're in the midst of a relationship breakdown and you feel unloved. Maybe your friends are moving to university or college or moving to jobs and you miss them. Maybe you're going to university and you're feeling homesick. Maybe you're spending time in the Bible and in prayer, but it never feels like you hear from God. These are all ways we can feel abandoned. I can certainly relate to all of these. It's in these moments that we need to remember that Jesus is still present in our lives, just like he chose to remember his father's presence. Remember, David wrote this psalm from the Messiah's, Messiah's perspective. What does the Messiah do? He purposely recalls to mind that the Lord is enthroned. He is king and he is holy. And then he remembers his ancestors how his ancestors trusted in God and delivered them, like when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, when God gave the Israelites manna in the desert, and when God delivered the nation from foreign oppressors time and time and time again during the rule of judges. Even when Jesus feels forsaken by his father, he remembers his father still rules and is still good. I don't know if you ever remember the first time your parents uh, left you in the house on your own, alone. I remember a time where I left everyone, everyone left our house, my uh, parents and my sister. I didn't know where they were. It was kind of oddly quiet. And I wondered if I'd missed something important, if there'd been a family meeting that I hadn't been a part of. And then I started to feel scared and worried. And what do you do when you feel, when you want to combat that fear? Well, you say, well, I know my family loves me. I know they'll be back. They never abandoned my sister, I think. Um, so I know they'll come back. So even when our earthly family isn't reliable, we have a heavenly family, a heavenly father who will never abandon us because he already had to abandon Christ on that cross and that was enough. God hasn't left generations of Christians and he won't leave us. So when we pray, we can say, Father, I feel like you've abandoned me, but I know it's not true. You've never forsaken any of your children except Christ on the cross, which you will never have to do again. So when you feel abandoned, remember Christ's presence. And for the second bit, looking at verses 6 to 11, when others look down on our faith, we need to remember Christ's faithfulness. When others look down on our faith, we need to remember Christ's faithfulness. We live in a culture where maybe quite a lot of people judge each other, as maybe as they don't want to admit it. 
Sometimes when others hear about our faith in Jesus, they judge us for it. There are times where we may be going to lose friendships because of our faith in Jesus. And when this happens, remember that Jesus was also rejected. But he kept his faith in the Father. When the, when the Messiah was rejected, he prayed. Verse 10 of the psalm, remembering God's faithfulness to him throughout his life, saying, from my mother's womb you have been my God. When we are rejected by others, let's pray. Jesus, when others reject me because of you, help me remember your faithfulness till the very end. So when others look down on us because of our faith, we need to remember Christ's faithfulness. And then looking at verses 12 to, 18, uh, 12 to 21, when we suffer, remember Christ suffered and remember Christ's suffering and deliverance. When we suffer, remember Christ's suffering and deliverance. When we go through physical or spiritual suffering, we can remember Christ's suffering and deliverance. In verses 12 to 18, the psalmist uses metaphors to describe his suffering. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me in verse 12. These bulls were wild, untamed animals known to attack and gore people. And Christ was surrounded by a whole company of soldiers. And you see that in Matthew 27, 27. Maybe as many as 600. They mocked him, spit on him, struck him. So when you go through physical suffering, remember Christ suffered physically too. Verse 13, Psalm 22, verse 13. Roaring lions tear their prey. Lions are a vicious predator that can tear their prey apart. And Satan is also depicted as a roaring lion. You see that in 1 Peter. Jesus at the cross was also undergoing spiritual suffering as he bore the weight of our sins and the attacks of Satan. If you're suffering spiritually, feeling overcome with guilt or like God doesn't love you, Jesus can relate. Verse 15 to 16 tells us specifically that the Messiah will die and how he will die. Verse 15b, you lay me in the dust of death. And the second half of verse 16, they pierced my hands and my feet. King David wrote this uh, psalm when crucifixion wasn't even invented yet. The only way Jesus can fulfill this is by actually dying on the cross. And that's exactly what he does. Jesus dies. But then the poem begins to change its tone in verse 19. He begins to speak of deliverance. And at the end of verse 21, he says, save me from the horns of the wild oxen. But the Hebrew word for save is actually in the perfect tense, which means it happened in the past with continuing effects. So almost it could say, you have rescued me, you have heard me. When Jesus cried out the, verse, the first verse of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew verse 15 would come his own death. But he still believed verse 18 would come. You have rescued me. Even in his suffering, Jesus was meditating on his future deliverance. As we go through trials, as we, go, we can pray and remember that Jesus suffered, but he was also delivered. If you know Jesus, you've been delivered from sin and everlasting death, and one day God will use your death to deliver you into heaven with Jesus. So when you suffer, verses 12 to 18, remember Christ's suffering and deliverance in verses 9 to 21. So you should pray Psalm 22 with Jesus in mind. Well, why? Well, because Jesus prayed Psalm 22 with us in mind. And that's the next heading um, for those who are note takers. It's also in the order of service. So looking at verses 22 to 31. Jesus prayed Psalm 22 with us in mind. When Jesus prayed the first verse of Psalm 22 on the cross, he would have known the whole psalm by heart. He would have been taught it in the synagogue. 
And although this psalm prophesies the Messiah's death in verses 15 to 16, it prophesies his resurrection, his coming back to life, starting in verse 22, through to the end of the psalm. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. This resurrection hope doesn't stop with Jesus. It extends to anyone, anywhere who will believe in Jesus. You, me, the people in the street, everyone in Dundee, Scotland, the world. People from all the earth and all the nations can receive eternal life. We see that in verse 27. Jesus shouted the last line of Psalm 22 right before he died. Uh, if you look to another one of the New Testament Gospels, in John 19, verse 30, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. And then if you look to Psalm 22, verse 31, the final verse of the chapter, they will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. When Jesus said it is finished, he is echoing Psalms 22's, he has done it. God's work of salvation through Jesus Christ is complete. Now any who repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ receive eternal life. Maybe you're still trying to earn it or add to it, or you think Jesus needs your help. Do you think if I gave you a paintbrush, you could improve the Mona Lisa or make the Sistine Chapel more beautiful? On the cross, Jesus painted a masterpiece of salvation, and now he offers it to us as a gift. Will you receive it? Jesus prayed Psalm 22 with us in mind. Pray Psalm 22 with him in mind. And if you don't know Christ, if you're watching on Zoom or hearing for the first time in person, you can pray Psalm 22 for the first time today with Jesus in mind. Praying through his death and resurrection and putting your faith and trust in Christ and confessing your sins that you deserved, that you deserve to be forsaken. You deserve to be abandoned. See, Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that each one of us can cry, my father, my father, you will never abandon me. Why don't I pray now to finish, but why don't I take a moment now just to have a time of reflection as we think upon these words of Psalm 22. As we think about what this means for us, that because Christ died on that cross and had to cry out, why have you forsaken me? that we can know that we can never be we are never abandoned by our lord so why don't we have a moment of reflection now Father God, we give thanks as we reflect on these uh, this Sam's words. Father Lord, we give thanks for, the, for, for Jesus dying on that cross. Lord, and as we see the words written in Psalm 22 of my, art, my hands and feet will be pierced, Lord, we remember the suffering that he endured on that cross, Lord. But we remember that because he, su- that he now knows our suffering when we are struggling or suffering, Lord, when we look at Psalm 22, we should be remembered and pray with pray it with Jesus in mind. To be reminded, though, of his sacrifice there meant that we were able to come into your presence, Lord. And that through his death, we will be able to be reunited with you, Lord. 
Lord, I pray that as we leave this place, this will uh, be on our hearts and give us opportunity to praise your name, Lord, to remind you of your glorious works. So, Lord, as we uh, now go into another song of worship, Lord, please be with us in this week and in this month as we continue through these in this series in the Psalms, Lord. Be with us in all that. In your son's precious name. Amen. Uh, we're now going to sing, uh, uh, well, sadly in showcase we're not going to be able to sing, but um, on Zoom you will be able to, uh, Nothing But The Blood. <laughs> 